are we as Canadians leaning into other options besides just doing the familiar and driving our cars, which are just getting more and more expensive right now? We're talking about this with our next guest, who's the Associate Director and Associate Professor of the School of Urban and Regional Planning at Toronto Metropolitan University. Rakhtim Mitra is joining the show. Rakhtim, good morning. Thanks so much for being on. Good morning. Thank you for having me. You know, we're complaining about the prices here in Alberta, but they're actually lower than a lot of places in Canada. Rukti, we're really seeing this increase across the board nationally, right? Yes. And what are some of the reasons that that point to why gas prices are just so high everywhere? Because it is sort of a layered and, and complicated issue. Yeah, I mean, it, it is certainly a complicated issue, and I, I certainly don't consider myself as an expert on gas prices. But, you know, like you were saying before, I mean, gas prices go up every summer, and uh, layer it with the inflation and the war that we are in the middle of. Yeah. So as a combination of all this, um, I mean, it's... It, almost an obvious impact with um, apparently no short-term relief in sight. And so the the solution to some, and certainly the federal government through infrastructure grants, through carbon tax, etc., has pushed toward public transit to try to reduce the numbers of us in vehicles on the road. But Canadians don't seem to be picking up on that. Is that a fair assessment for across the board in our country, that the, the rush to public transit is not there yet? Yes, that's that's a fair assessment. Now there are two um, two ways to interpret that. One is that um, in the longer uh, longer term thing is that many people are not picking up transit because there is just not enough good transit in many cities across Canada. I mean, the transit has not come to a point in many parts of Canada where they can be seen as a comfortable and uh, comparable alternative to driving. But the other way to look at this is that, you know, over the past two years, we've been asked to physically distance from others. And of course, public transit is a shared system where you see and meet and very close to a lot of other people. So the the fear of contracting virus is still there. So even if some people would want to find an alternative to driving, I think it's going to take a while for people to get comfortable with sharing space in in a public transit environment. Yeah, I think you raise a, a really good point because I think that a lot of this is is sort of psychological as as you're mentioning. I mean, there's the social distancing aspect of it. Are we comfortable sharing trains and and buses with people in such close proximity? We also have such attachment to our vehicles. They're such a part of our our identity and our our self-expression in terms of what we drive, having that kind of alone time on our commutes. What do you think what do you think needs to change, Rakhtim, to get people on board with public transit? Or are we just as humans just not really willing to to accept it no matter where we live? Well, you see, I mean, as individuals, we are always making choices, right? We would pick um, an option that is um, less expensive, more convenient, uh, saves us time. Uh, and uh, that's the basic mechanism. When, when in the cities and provinces uh, we plan for transportation services, these are the factors that we look at. Mm-hmm. In many parts of uh, a country, I mean, um, uh, 
people choose transit because it's just the most convenient option. Driving is simply more expensive, takes more time because you have to sit in the middle of uh, in the middle of the traffic for a long time. And when you have a faster and convenient and relatively comparable uh, alternative, you would you would choose it. So I guess it speaks to the point of why we need uh, good reliable public transit as an alternative choice. Because in the end of the day, when people have more choices, then more people would choose uh, these alternatives. It makes me wonder, too, if there's a tipping point once the gasoline prices get to such a level that uh, whatever inconvenience or if you, you, you're not a fan of the transit system, I wonder if eventually you get to a tipping point where you have to try something different because you just can't afford to keep going uh, with your own vehicle with parking and fuel and all the rest of that. Yeah, that's a quite fair assessment. I mean, if we think about where I am in the greater Toronto uh, region, uh, more and more people are moving toward a train-based commute, the GO system, instead of driving, because it's just a more convenient and more reliable way to commute, right? So, I mean, the point that I'm coming back to is that there has to be choices for people to choose from. If, if there is no good transit, then it's not actually an option. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we imagine choices, we, we can maybe broaden our horizons and our and our and think about creative choices that we can implement too um, things like bicycles you know racks of rentable bicycles e-scooters too I and mean, we haven't seen those yet in edmonton uh, but you know giving people just those those options where maybe it's not necessarily a, a train or a bus but it's even something just to get you know a few blocks down the road we don't really see that as something that's so available to us at least in edmonton our team are there are there other canadian cities that are doing that right yeah absolutely i mean look i mean you mentioned bicycles and e-scooters, which is uh, absolutely a fair point. You know, I mean, uh, in in many large uh, cities and, and regions in Canada, as much as a third of all trips that we make are actually less than five kilometers in length, hmm. which are easily bikeable, right, or mm-hmm. scootable. Hmm. So yes, uh, d- during the pandemic, if we look at the data. Uh, at least in the first year of the pandemic, the biking rates gone up significantly. Many people actually ditched um, public transit. I wouldn't say that people ditched car as much, but many people ditched public transit and used bicycle instead because that provides um, uh, like a effective and sustainable option to make these short trips. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, bicycle is a possibility, um, and cities across Canada uh, are adopting um, uh, adopting bicycles. I mean, it, in fact, statistically, bicycles uh, are the fastest growing transportation mode across Canada. Uh, so I mean, of course, the total volume is still very low because not many people bicycle yet. But in terms of percentage, it, it is the fastest growing one. And cities are investing in bicycling infrastructure. Federal government has recently announced a $400 million infrastructure fund specifically earmarked for improving bicycle infrastructure and also improving bicycle connections to transit stops because 
uh, bicycles, uh, as much as they can be um, uh, a solution, um, a commute solution, they can also add value to uh, you know, filling that first mile, last mile gap. Yeah, maybe when it's... someone can bike to a transit stop, take a train to work, and then take a bike share to their you know end destination. Right. Maybe the tra- many people don't use transit because of this. How do they get to a transit stop? Right. Yeah, and so maybe it's it's like a true hybrid is is the best and uh, likely answer. It's sort of combining public transit with other ways of getting to it, etc. It's a fascinating conversation. I think yeah, I think you're right, though, sir. That uh, you, you've got to have uh, a viable system to to access before people are going to use it on a regular basis. Uh, be interesting conversations that'll con- continue, especially as these gas prices come up. So thanks so much for being part of it this morning with us. No problem. Thank you. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.